Time is running out for the planet Earth. It's impervious to all voices. There's an intriguing sensation. It's a nuclear device. Fun, fun, fun! Yes, that's nice. Statistically speaking, of course, it's still the safest way to travel. It belongs to a creature from outer space. It's a bird! It's a plane! It's very important. It does not go you. It's a trap! Hi, everybody, and welcome to an all-new episode of Geek Shell Here, and I'm Daniel Pickett. I'm Jason Lindsay. And again, this, this one's not on a Monday. I hope people are going to be all right with this. We've blown right past Monday this week. We did. We're, we're And last week. We're trying to trying to catch up get around the back end. We don't want to get it that it's too too far past where before you know it we're never going to get back to a regular Monday. But we thought if we could, we would get on this next week. You know, last week's went up on Thursday, so this week might go up later in the week, but we may have to start with the craziness that's coming that's you know, toy fair and other things that are going to be happening. We may we may have to juggle when this show is going to hit the airwaves a little bit. But we like to keep you guessing. We do. We like to keep you on your toes. We're unpredictable. Anything could happen. Anything could happen. That's what they used to say was the opening of Stingray. It was either the opening of Stingray, the Jerry Anderson Stingray uh, puppet show, or Thunderbirds. I think it was Stingray, but it said, anything can happen in the next 30 minutes. <laughs> that was how that opening went. I like that. So anything can happen in the next hour and 12, 12, 13, maybe 15 minutes, sometimes 20 minutes, hour and 20 minutes. Not, it's not quite as succinct, but you get the idea. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So here we are. Lots has been happening. Lots to talk about. Indeed. Always lots to cover. And um, what do you got? Might as well get you started. Since we're All right. late at night as we're doing it, get you started with what you're excited about. Indeed. So uh, I didn't think that I was, you know, I was excited about uh, Super 7 and Funko and the reaction stuff. Uh, you know, I just, I like the idea of us getting those figures finally after all this time. Uh, I, I really love the idea that Frank and the love he put into it, mm. trying to capture that, that bygone era. Uh, but I didn't think I was going to fall quite so hard and be such a sucker for this, uh, this sort of re relaunch of retro and, and, and the three and three quarter inch. But I just in the mail today got uh, Zyka's new $6 million man uh, first wave of those figures. Mm. So, Two Steve Austins. You got a red and a blue, and a uh, and a bionic Bigfoot, the Sasquatch Beast. And you know these are great. They're fantastic. These are uh, to, to me these are a little past uh, sort of the Star Wars thing because they do have articulated knees. So mm. that that takes them a little more into the realm of superpowers for me. Yeah. You know, eighty four, eighty five, eighty six. But uh, I don't know. There's something that's really sort of grabbing me about all these lines. On this old style card with these little bubbles, you know, and the, and the little peg hangers and things, and like a little box for the price tag, like that stuff is really grabbing me for some reason. And and I'm going to be in huge trouble once I go to Toy Fair and see all the reaction stuff that Funko has planned. 
I'm, I'm a little worried for myself. Yeah, they're, um, they did a beautiful job. They, they did everything that they said they were going to do uh, from way back when we first saw this stuff on display and what the card art might look like. And then we finally saw the card art at last year's Comic-Con. Uh, you know, and from unpainted prototypes to the finished ones, you know, it's again, they're working. You know, it's interesting because this is the thing that's going to launch this this wave of figures or properties that apparently Funko has now got 1712 different licenses they've been talking about. So it's going to kind of launch that, but it's also very specific in that it very specifically was trying to just. I don't think they thought, ooh, if it goes somewhere else and we get to do more with this, more properties, that would be great. But specifically, they wanted to recapture something that had never been been produced before. These right. you know, these great alien prototypes that we that turned up, I don't know, ten years ago in one of those like Toy Mart magazines or something. They yep. broke there, and no one knew they existed before. And there they were, and they campaigned heavily to get those things and to to get the deal done with Fox to, to make them. So that was a big enough you know hurdle in, in itself. So just as those things go, I think they did a terrific job with uh, the figures, with the packaging, with the early bird kit especially. That, that to me is still the best thing that they did, all the details that went in there and then the, the unpainted you know figures, the sets that they sold at Comic-Con. I think that's some of the best stuff that they did all around – where that's concerned. Um, and the, the Zyka stuff I've seen too, and it's really nice. Um, uh, there's, there's going to be some interesting things in the, in the Zyka uh, world uh, soon, I think, uh, beyond $6 million man, um, other, other things possibly. What's interesting to me is what this is going to mean for, you know, the, the, the way all of these retro properties are going to be, handled and there seems yep. to be two schools of thoughts one one of which is they're going to do you know this other line that's like the six inch line which is much more posability very much like a, a marble legends type posability we're back to funko now talking about that right but they're going to legacy line yep. they're going to do you know firefly uh rocketeer uh buffy i believe and i think those are the three that i remember hearing the most about where they would be in this super duper star wars black kind of articulation and, and packaging. Uh, maybe they'll do that for each of the properties they have, but it seems what they're going to do is take it retro um, and continue to do articulation and likenesses as if they were done back in 77, 78. Yes. So what you're going to get, I mean, you may get a bit of a backlash. I don't know because we're, we're so far down the road now of people expecting a certain something from their sculpts. Not necessarily their their generic sculpt, where it's a generic Thor or it's a particular comic book, you know, Spider Man or something. But when it comes to sculpts of these characters in movie and TV properties, they love so much. Uh, we're living in the golden age now, where not only can just about anything get made, or, you know, the properties get going, but they can make, you know, three and three quarter inch figures look like they walked right out of the you know wardrobe department. And yeah. if they're not going to do that, and it's just going to be you know, that look, so if they get, uh, let's say, if they do a Firefly line and it's just, you know, five points of articulation and they, they don't look like any of the actors, um, people may, it may, it may it'd be interesting to see what, where people fall on that as far as wanting to pick stuff up. 
you know, wanting to wanting to get certain figures or 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 not get certain figures. Yeah, I mean, but I, I think it's fun, you know, like for a six million dollar man, you know, the likeness is there ish, but you know, it's clearly supposed to be in that era and that style. But like you guys, uh, Biffang Pal did the eight inch retro, and that's got a fantastic sculpt. I mean, that that is clearly. Lee Majors, you yeah, know, and, and, part- and so it's for if you're a fan of that license, and you know there hasn't been a stuff for it forever. You know, it's fun to be able to get kind of these different, uh, you know, contrasting, you know, in different different uh, styles right. and and sort of different almost eras, you know. Yeah, I mean, but the, but there was a conscious choice. See, even the Kenner Steve Austin looked pretty good and looked pretty much like, you know, like uh, Lee Majors. It was a good sculpt of Lee Majors. You know, yeah. If you were to take that and put it out there again, Lee Majors now, finally, after many, many years, because you know, Universal would come to us every six months and say, what about Back to the Future? What about Six Million Dollar Man? Well, they didn't have likeness rights. So you can't do much with Steve Austin without such things. Even if you wanted to try to you know, just take the Kenner figure and reissue it and put it out there, you'd have to have it be okay for his likeness to be on the packaging and to look like the figure. When you start looking at, you know, some of the character, you know, like like uh, Sigourney Weaver, John Hurt. Like you look at the figure of John Hurt in that line, and it doesn't scream that's John Hurt. Sigourney Weaver kind of does, and Tom Skerritt. I suppose you could just say, in a generic kind of Mad Magazine way, yeah, it looks like Tom Skerritt, but it's not like it's like the old Kenner stuff. It's like the Kenner exactly, yeah, quarter inch that that as they went on. They got a little more accurate, and especially the 12-inch figures. I always go on record as saying the 12-inch sculpts of, of Han, Leia, and Luke are just about the best or one of the best sculpts ever made for those actors in all these years. Yes. Harrison Ford is one of the most difficult characters, actors to sculpt, and that Kenner 12-inch Han Solo Indiana Jones head – Nailed it. Nailed his likeness. Say, I always say the same thing about Mego doing, uh, doing Shatner. So the question is, if, if all these other titles are, are happening and they're going to be made, there may be a loophole here in the way the, the characters – the generic way the characters are going to be sculpted that the same – in the same way that um, uh, uh, Minimates are made – you don't have to worry about going to get likeness rights. So if these properties, right. I, I think if they have properties that have likeness rights, I wouldn't imagine that they would just brush past even trying to not have to deal with the the, the actors. Uh, I'm not sure they're going to do that. But if there are, if there are issues with licenses where it's like, well, here's the title, you've got these two actors, and there's eight other characters you can make, they may just end up going the generic route, the 77, 78 route to make uh, the characters. And then it then it starts to kind of become something else, which is uh, you know, I'm not sure where I stand on it exactly because you know, when we tried to do the retro thing, there were one or two ways to do it. Try to sculpt them as if you know, the movie came out in 1980 and this was the best sculpt you would have gotten on the shelves or try to sculpt it more realistically to make it look like those characters, those actors, um because it's being made today. And, right. And people that's what people seem to want. And that's what what is selling and what, you know, what's sold. So um there it's a beautiful line. I've opened them all up. I've got them on display. They're really cool. Um love to see what what comes next. 
but um, I'm hoping that it's going to be more character character accurate with stuff. Well, we actually uh, Jeff Cope uh, did a, an interview with Brian, the CEO of Funco, and uh, we've got it up on AFI right now. And he gave us a little bit of a scoop, saying that they're looking at some sort of playset for Comic Con for the for the reaction line. Mm. So. That's something to look forward to. And then, uh, like I said, I just got the Zyka figures in today, so I'm going to open them up tonight and shoot them and hope to have them up on the site soon because they're, they're super fun. You know, I just, I don't know, there's something about having, you know, they're not quite a Star Wars figure, but, it's, you know, when you pick them up and you feel that card and that bubble and the, you know, the three and three quarter inch figure in it, there's there's something that, that gets me. And uh, these look really well done, so I'm I'm pretty excited about them. Yeah, they're nice. They're really nice. And the the alien ones too. It's same thing. Like the card art, the measurements of the card, the you know the 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 graphics, um, then the figures inside. It was very much like opening an old Kenner Star Wars figure. Yeah. Uh, or you know, or that you just wandered into a bizarre you know toy store from another dimension. That <laughs> these things got made, and there they are, right you know, up on the shelves. Uh, so yeah, that's cool. So you just got your set of Zyka, but you got the alien ones. You got those right before Christmas, right? That's right. Yeah, I got the because I did buy the early bird set. So yeah, those are those are cool. Those are fun. Yeah, totally. Uh, How about you? What are you excited about? I'm excited about. I found a couple of uh, you know every now and then I do a little late night eBay trolling. Is that is that what you're doing late at night? Always always a bad idea because. Oh, I'll add that to my want list. Oh, maybe I should just bid on that now and just put a minimum of. Eh. And then the next morning, it's almost like you you've been drink like you were drunk. <laughs> what did I order? What did I do? How did I? Five cases of wine. What did I? And uh, you look back at this stuff and you go, oh, "Congratulations, you won the thing." And there was this uh, toy from England that I literally only seen on the internet. Once or twice, uh, it's on eBay. It's you know Battle of the Planets, which most people, a lot of people know as G Force, that yep. animated series. Or Gatchaman. Gatchaman uh, aired in the U.S. in '78, '79, '80, I think '79 or '80, as Battle of the Planets. They yep. revoiced it. They added some new animation where you had the two robots. You had uh, Seven Zark Seven and the dog robot. Uh, underneath the sea in their like sea base, whatever aqua base. Yep. Uh, sending their assignments to to the kids and stuff. Keop and the gang. Keop and the gang. And uh, you know, we as far as toys, like you know, Japan got loads of stuff. Uh, the UK got a few things, and and we here got mainly like some coloring books and like rack toys. You know, as far as vintage, yeah. As far as vintage, like when the show came out back in the late seventies, that's what we got. That was all. That was true Battle of the Planets, you know, merchandise with the, with that sticker on it and that thing on the the header card. I think we got a couple of different squirt guns. We got a little flicker ray gun that you know shone light out of it. You know, two little batteries in it. We got some kind of a message center, which was just like a cheap secretary plastic secretary set and bits and radio, little mini CB radio kind of thing. Um, some other weirdness too. And then in, in England, they did two, uh, laser pistols. They did one that was a handgun, uh, for, for battle of the planets. It's, it's a white, uh, pistol, but it ended up being the same one that Mattel used 
for Battlestar Galactica and Flash Gordon when they put out toys of Flash Gordon animated and the show Battlestar Galactica. So it's a weird white gun and the neck kind of goes out and at the end of the neck it almost looks like an egg, like a white egg that's on the end of it. I'm sure you've seen it. I believe I have, yeah. And you turn the dial, and it makes like three different sounds from, you know, just a beep to like a beep, 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 you know, different laser sounds or whatever. They made the almost the exact same one, which originally was a Japanese gun uh, by Sakuda or somebody, uh, put that in a box as a pistol. And then they made a laser rifle, a space laser rifle, which was, you know, larger than the gun. And made three different sounds and lights up in the front. And the packaging comes in a box. The packaging is all Battle of the Planets. It's got really? Mark on it, Seven Zark Seven, the logo, and some beautiful artwork and stuff. And I'd seen this floating around eBay for a while, and it went from a pretty high price to a eh, so-so price to then starting to get kind of reasonable price every time they'd relisted and hadn't sold. Um, but you can count on one hand the number of these that turn up. Uh, in working order in a box, just there's just nothing out there. There's just nothing out there for reference images. So I caved in and got myself the Battle of the Planets laser rifle from 1979 by Crescent oh, nice. in the UK. What'd you say? I said that's nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. It's it's kind of fun to get a, an old retro toy like that once in a while. From that show. I mean, I would have loved to have had stuff like that in the local Five and Dime for Battle of the Planets. I think all I ever got were some comic books and uh, maybe a rack toy or two and some coloring books. And that was pretty much it. You know, we didn't get – I couldn't find a lot of the stuff that I've since learned is is out there. We didn't need it. We just put on a digital watch and run around the backyard and say transmute. Yeah, you could do that too. Plus, see, my name is Jason. And there was a Jason right. in the show. That's true. And I loved that. And, they, and he sort of locked horns with the leader. You know, he always kind of felt he could be a better leader. And so they were always kind of going at it every now and then, which is fun. Yep. Uh, yeah, one of, my, one of my favorite cartoon shows ever. So found that. And as you know, the number of Flash Gordon the movie licensed pieces of property of any kind – you can count on one hand. Yeah. The cap, die-cast cap pistol from uh, Lone Star in England, set of puffy stickers, the Weetabix cards that came in cereal in England that you had to then, you know, collect them all up and put them in an album that you had to send away for, the Weetabix album. Um Sweet Atari 2600 game. Atari 2600 game, the the storybook, the uh, comic book adaptation in hardcover or single issues, uh, a handful of buttons, you know, kind of made their way out there, and boy, that's about it. There are some Halloween costumes. I've got the mask of Flash Gordon. I believe there was a, 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 a Flash, a Ming, and a Hawkman. I've only seen pictures of the Flash Halloween costume and suit and the Hawkman suit, but they must exist out there somewhere. Italy made some wacky play suits with artwork from the advanced poster on the box, but nothing to do with them on the inside. (laughs) It doesn't look anything like Prince Baron's costume when you open this box up. 
Right. Uh, so it's just, you know, I'm always doing searches for the, for the movie and just trying to find stuff for the movie or the animated series. And it's just not a lot left. Uh, but I found a pair of children's slippers, <laughs> like, like fresh out of the case. They had like two or three different pairs of children's slippers uh, listed. Mm. It's for like size one or something, but the, but it's this kid's slipper and the artwork on it is just mind bending. It's a Flash Gordon slipper with like Flash and Ming on the front. He's holding the sword. Ming is to his left and then around to his right is Prince Baron. There's Hawkman coming around the, the ankle. There's other, there's that crazy woman Kala on the, on the, on the left side. It's just a, a mind blowing piece of art on this little kid's slipper. That's probably going to fall apart in, you know, two weeks. But uh, I have. And are you are you wearing them right now? Wearing, as we're talking, I'm wearing them as earrings. Actually, okay. Uh, I had to get them just because it's such a weird, weird thing. But it's you know that's how this is how collecting used to be, where you would find something maybe in the toy shop paper, you know, and and it, that's the first time you'd sort of discovered it. But you might go well, like the Halloween mask. Then you go well, there must have been a costume to go with this, and then you start checking all those you know databases or well, that's kind of what what eBay is where you're just, you know, trying to hunt to find some of this stuff yep. because that's the only way you're ever going to, you're ever going to find. Like I never would have known these existed if I didn't just happen to happen to see them, you know? Huh? Yeah. So that's, those are cool little couple of white whales sort of. Well, that sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. I mean, the, when the gun gets here, I'm going to have some gun wars. Right. Brian Hyler just got a, a sweet, sweet laser gun from a, a Jerry Anderson series called UFO. He's been wanting this thing forever, and it's going to show up, and we're going to have, uh, you know, bi-coastal laser wars. Right. You're going to hand hand one off to the missus and say, run for it. I'm giving you a 20-second yeah. head start. Give you a head start. Then I start shooting. I'll get out my Flash Gordon pistol, and the rest will be history. So, yes, yeah, so I'll take some pictures of that when it, uh, if it arrives, when it arrives. Get some snaps of that. That's very exciting to to look for something like that for such a long time and have it turn up. Oh yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, in the meantime, you and I would, were comparing notes on all the new screeners and you know Academy things and so on. Things you've seen at the theater, things I watched the screeners, things you've watched the screeners. And I think up to this point, we had a list up that we were pretty much neck and neck watching a lot of the same stuff. Right. Uh, last time you talked about, uh, I almost said galaxy, gravity yes. and her. You talked yes. about those. Um, seen both of those and almost nearly finished The Lone Ranger. <laughs> okay. Now, maybe you can just give me some background here first about uh, The Lone Ranger. Now, this was. Uh, I, I don't know if I really noticed if it got these terrible, ter terrible reviews that people were saying, uh, but it didn't do well. That's for sure. And they very, they very quickly started to say, "Oh, worst film of the year. The money that Disney spent on this, blah blah blah. What a disaster." It was the John Carter of 2013. The John Carter of 2013. Except the sad thing is, John Carter did freaking three times the business that this thing did in the theater. It made. Buckets of money worldwide. I, I guarantee it made more than The Lone Ranger did because it had such a stink on it. Uh, but then something happened like toward the end of the year when people were doing their year-end lists and Quentin Tarantino apparently went on a rave about it, about what a great movie it was. 
Like he's seen, but he said it was one of the best films he saw all year. And Kevin Smith kind of did the same thing. He said he dug it. And Kevin Smith said he dug it. Now, I'm not saying I certainly wouldn't take what Kevin Smith has to say and pay attention to any of it. But I might trust a little bit of Tarantino's opinion here and there um, because of, you know, his quality of work and the stuff he's into. Um, but uh, I couldn't I couldn't quite finish it. It just uh, did you see any of it? Uh, I saw the I saw the trailers and I saw the TV commercials and I saw the action figures and that was enough. You know, it just you know, it wasn't enough because you needed to see a little bit more to see just how they were treating this character. It was it was first of all, it was very much a comedy. I mean, very much. Whereas the Pirates movies had, you know, jokes in them and silly things that went on in them. Uh, there was some seriousness. I mean, it was a, they were light films, but it wasn't joke, 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 joke. Every single thing this character does, this Lone Ranger, because I can't think of his, his real name, um, the character's name in the movie. Everything he does is, is inept and in, right. ineffectual. Every time he pulls a gun on someone, someone jumps in behind him and pulls a gun on him. Every time he says, don't worry, we'll go this and take this, take care of this, somebody knocks him off, knocks him in the back of the head and knocks him out. Every time he says something kind of stupid, you know, Tonto rolls his eyes. So it's just like, you know, you, you've, they've made a very obvious point at the beginning that he's not as heroic as his brother. You know, he's kind of a by-the-numbers, you know, uh, uh, district attorney sort of thing. Uh, Who, by the way, doesn't the movie start with, like, Tonto's people and the Lone Ranger's brother and the other marshals just all being brutally murdered. Well, that's not exactly how it starts, but that is that is part of the Lone Ranger legend. That that just seems like kind of a strange uh, way to kick off a comedy. Well, that's that. Hey, everyone's uh, Tonto. Didn't he like screw something up and all his people died or something? Yeah, there's a there's a there's a bit of that. He went. He went to get a sandwich or something. That's a, and... that's a that's a flashback, so you don't know that at the beginning. All right, I haven't no, seen the movie, and I know it's that. a bit of a flashback. But uh, but but yeah, it's more that that uh, Tonto keeps saying like your brother was a great warrior, you weren't. Even when the horse comes back to help when they're in trouble, you know, he comes back to you know, to help uh, Lone Ranger, and and even Tonto's like, no 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 no, you got it wrong, and he pulls him down to the where the brother is like, this is a great warrior. Why are you hanging with this guy? You know, like they just really belittle this character throughout. Uh, maybe he becomes super heroic toward the end. I don't know. I, I'm not... It's kind of the the Green Hornet formula then. Yeah, but even Green Hornet was like, and that was a terrible, terrible movie, but that just, that had no reverence for the character whatsoever. Here and there in this story, they're trying to get, they seem to be trying to get some of the legend in there with certain characters, Butch Cavendish, what's going to happen to his brother, you know, how he becomes the lawman, Tonto. But they're kind of doing this, you know, dare I say, this like postmodernist take on it where everything is kind of silly. Like like when they when they come into a room – I'm not giving it away. When they come into a room and, you know, one of the bad guys kind of turns to another one and goes, what's with the mask? You know, and then Lone Ranger kind of turns to Tonto and says, I told you it wasn't going to work. I told you this was a stupid idea. But it can get kind of bitchy like that. It's like, what are we doing here? Like, what is this movie supposed to be? It, I don't I – think, I think it's one that just doesn't know what it wants to be or what tone it wants to take or how many toys it wants to sell or what audience it's going for sort of. Uh, right. And maybe it'll – maybe there's a little more to it and it ends up being this, you know – 
really interesting cult movie. What it, you know, it could the way those guys talk about it, it could be shaping up to be, boy, you guys missed this movie five years ago. But when it came out, Lone Ranger, man, it was a good movie, and here's why. And you know, he'll t- probably take it on some Quentin Tarantino festivals and turn people on to why it's cool. But I didn't see much in it, and I like Johnny Depp, uh, and I just I just kept waiting for more things to happen, more interesting things to happen. Right. Yeah. Um, so there's that. But what? How'd you like Gravity, and how'd you like Her, though? Well, uh, I'll give you the good news and the bad news. Give you the good news. I thought Her was great. Okay. Uh, really interesting. Um, he's wonderful in it. Probably the best thing I think he's he's done. Um, really interesting story. I mean, just just a really in, just a great script because it yep. it goes places that. Your usual, you know, love story or script doesn't go, and not just yeah, yeah, not just in the judgment aspect of it, or you know, what this guy's relationship is with this girl, uh, but in just the matter of factness of it. They they built this world, as you mentioned, that's slightly in the future. We think it's in Los Angeles, but it's slightly future L.A. Where things are just a little bit different, you know, the, the letter writing company and the things, you know, when he works as a, at a letter writing company, I thought was interesting where people are now going back to that. That's a real novelty, you know, to write letters and send them to people, you know, um, uh, and he was great. And what's her name was good in it. Um, who's Amy, Amy Adams, Amy Adams. Yep. was good in it. Chris Pratt's got a small part in it. Um, yep. the guy that's, that's Amy Adams husband. Who is that? Yes. Who is that guy? I don't know who that guy is. He was funny. Yeah, he was. Damn, he he had just like three scenes and he was funny. Uh Scarlett Johansson of course is fantastic as this voice. She does a really good job and and clearly, you know, gets in there to to who this character is and everything. Um and it's it's typical, look, you you know, you said it earlier but it's like if you're a fan of Spike Jones stuff, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get the, the quirkiness and the kind of quirky outfits, which is the way he dresses. And then you're going to get some fucked up stuff about relationships, particularly men and how they don't handle them well, or women being you know, uh, too unobtainable or too frigid or I don't know what. We've seen it in uh, Adaptation. The weirdness with his, you know Charlie Kaufman you know wrote that but his character and adaptation we saw it in um, what's the other one uh, being John Malkovich we get it yep. in there the weird the weird dude is kind of falling in love with Catherine Keener but he's a weird kind of messed up dude and and selfish um, this guy it's there's definitely a, a pattern going on here to uh, how he feels about women. Uh, or how he feels about being around women or not being able to substantially give enough to a woman in a relationship or something. I, I don't know. Uh, you know the whole story about – you know the whole story of Bill Murray? Fucking, what's the story? What's the movie? Lost in Translation. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's Lost in Translation and um, Scarlett Johansson is married – or either has a boyfriend or is married to that other younger guy played by Giovanni Ribisi. Uh-huh. And then what's her name shows up. Who's the actress that shows up? Uh, you know who she is. She's on a TV sitcom now. She was in all the scary movie comedies. Oh, uh, blonde hair. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Her. She shows up in it as just this completely airheaded 
you know, ch- oh, I love what we're doing. You know, we're going to go off. Yeah, we got to go away for like two days to shoot this thing. And Scarlett Jansen's like, well, you're not going to be here. You're leaving the hotel. You, you guys are leaving the hotel. Yeah, we have to go do this thing. And she starts going on about what great piece of art this is they're going to make. And they really make her out to be uh, an airhead, a real dip. Well, the, and after the film came out, uh, bits of rumors started to come out about what that was all about. And it turns out that her experience because uh, she was Sophia Coppola was with Spike Jones uh, when he was making Sunshine of the Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, mm-hmm. and um, he he no no I'm sorry was with him when he was doing Malkovich, and he ended up you know having an affair I guess with Cameron Diaz, and so Sophia Coppola makes the Scarlett Johansson character her basically where she'd go to these locations try to help make this movie with her director boyfriend husband and um he was off having more fun with um with what's her name with the bad skin what's her name what's her name with the bad skin yeah you know she's in she's in the mask and cameron d that's cameron diaz right. yeah so the next time it you looks watch, a bit like the joker now next time you watch lost in translation uh, that whole all that bit with Giovanni Ribisi and Cameron Diaz or that girl is riffing on Spike Jones and Cameron Diaz. I see. And what they were like to be married to. So clearly this guy's got some some issues about women and relationships because he but still it, overall a very good, very interesting movie. Absolutely. And and it kept me as quiet as it could be sometimes, it kept me right there, curious to know what happened next. And I loved the little details. I loved the clothing. I loved the sink and the way, the way the kitchen looked and the things that they went out to do or, you know, just, you go, oh, you did some shopping. How was that? You know, it was a very, it was almost like people were kind of emotionally cut off so yeah. much from doing things so rigid and plastic, you know? Um, so yeah, no, I thought, it, I thought it was good. Uh, gravity, uh, you could, you I would never need to see that again. That was Honestly, I felt it was a waste of time, to be perfectly honest. Was, did you see it in the theater? Did you see it on your TV? I saw it on my TV. Yeah, you should never see it on your no, TV. No, no, no. I, I hate that argument, and I'll tell you why. You, you, you can't make an argument for, well, did you see it in 3D? Well, no, I didn't. Oh, well, then it won't be as good. Did you see it in the seats that, that move like little motor engines? No, I didn't. Oh, well, then you don't know what you're missing. No, you know what? Terminator Salvation is still not going to be good if I'm sitting in a motor revving you know, seat in, in the theater. It should it should be able to work on its own with or without the elements of 3D as a film, and that shouldn't be. And even if even if I was on the fence and I was like, "Well, this is good," but I, gee, I wish I'd seen it in 3D. Going to see it in 3D is not going to change or take away the flaws in this movie and the problems I have with this movie. The problems, and which are, it was about nothing. Nothing happened in this movie. Uh, you can you can talk about camera work which was extraordinary. I love Children of Men. I watch it about once a year. I have the Blu-ray. I love his stuff. Um, the camera work is obviously extraordinary, and the things that you know are coming over the horizon at her are extraordinary, and the trying to get into the thing or whatever. All that, but it was like you could have written the story on a matchbook. There's nothing to it. Um, it seems kind of artificial from the time things start happening. I just don't... I, I never really got, except for a couple times from her, like sheer panic 
in her voice that this this was happening. So I started to think, is this whole thing a dream or something? But, you know, more than anything, what started to bother me was there there must have only been about 10 or 15 percent of that entire movie that I could actually had a pretty good understanding or could tell that she was not CG, that she was a real body floating through the capsules when she would get inside a capsule and she would sit down and press some buttons and do some things and whatever. Um, and then maybe Clooney kind of shows up and he says hi and talks and then he's, you hear his voice and they're talking or whatever. But, but really it just was like, like 90% of that movie was, was computer generated or even even the spacesuits. I, I would I would go so so. So are you saying you wanted them to go into space to shoot it? No, I'm saying that they might as well have just made it an animated film. It might as well have just been animated, because even even Clooney in in the face thing in the spacesuit, I never got the sense that he was actually in that suit ever. So to me, it was like they they CG'd his face into a spacesuit. I mean, I don't know if there are sequences where they're on wires doing stuff, but like I know her body is never coming in contact with some of these pieces. So, so is she completely CG? Are there wires? Because they didn't build this entire, you know, space unit kind of thing because it's going to disintegrate. So, anyways, the more I watch it, the more I'm- yeah, I got nothing of that, and I did see it on a big screen. So it just seemed like it, you might as well have had the amount of times that you see faces. And you know that that's a person there doing that thing. It just smacks of a special effect of a, of a CG person and a CG environment in a CG outer space. So just just make it a CG animated film. Why not? You might as well. You're already doing it. It's it's already there. You know. And you, you are you are the first person that I've heard or read that has not enjoyed that film. No, I've been hearing people left and right saying, ugh, it is not what it, it's not what people make it out to be. It's not that interesting. Bill Maher just ripped on it uh, before the holidays and he even gave away a couple of, <laughs> couple of the endings, a couple of things because he was so over this movie. Uh, no, plenty of people are, are saying it's, it's pretty weak. Yeah, and, and, and this, I guess we hang in different circles because that's not what I'm hearing at all. Well, no, but again, it's also one of these things that just it comes out at a certain time and everybody just starts jumping on it. Before you know it, they're pushing it down your throat with everything else that's out there. And this is what's going to bring me to my next movie to talk about, my next rant. Um, did you see a movie called uh, Prisoners? No, I haven't yet. Okay, and I'm going to preface this by saying I, I don't know, Daniel, if you – are going to be are going to want to watch this movie because you know okay. you know what the movie's about. Yeah. And I cannot imagine as a parent uh sitting down to watch this movie. Okay. Because, I, I you, can understand that. You know you know what I'm saying. I mean it's Yeah, yeah. It's heavy and and what you got in the trailer, this is giving nothing away. What you got in the trailer was Hugh Jackman and Terrence Howard have been best friends, you know, forever. Uh, in some small town in Pennsylvania, and Hugh Jackman is kind of a gruff, uh, you know, God-fearing, you know, Christian-type man. He's got a son and a seven-year-old daughter, and the Terrence Howard family has a daughter, the son's age, and then they have another little girl that's like seven. And they're all together for Thanksgiving, and everything is going lovely. And the two girls decide that they want to go outside for whatever reason, and there's a little argument about where are you going to go, don't forget to wear a hat, whatever. And they go missing. Yep. And that's where it sort of starts. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal is the detective on the case, and um, 
it goes from there because and this is all in the trailer that the guy that's the prime suspects gets held for a couple of days and after a couple of days they got nothing on him so they release him jackman shows up at the at the police station you know yells at the guy altercation next thing you know He's he's trailing the guy, sees some things that he finds very suspicious, and he kidnaps the guy. And he right. kidnaps taking matters into his own hands. Matters into his own hands in a very, very violent way, as he's convinced this guy who has the IQ of a ten year old uh knows where his these girls are. And that's what I thought the movie was gonna be. It is so much more than that. There is so much more going on in this story. Uh, in, in in what ends up being two or three connected stories, it is not just this thing. It's about the history of this town. It's about things that have happened that no one talks about. It's about uh, it's it's a mystery that, that's unraveling. So at the same time that that Gyllenhaal is trying to find these girls, he starts to get a notion that maybe this kid went missing as well, and maybe Jackman has something to do with it. So everyone's a suspect where he's concerned. I mean. Jackman is fantastic in it. He's truly fantastic in it. Jake okay. Gyllenhaal, who I could take him or leave him, and I never think he's bad in anything he does, but I'm just kind of, oh, Jake Gyllenhaal, he's pretty good in that. He was, he was okay in Zodiac, but, you know, whatever. He is absolutely magnificent in this movie as this detective who's clearly been through hell. I don't know, maybe a bad marriage or whatever else, but this job is just wearing him down and dealing with these people that he has to ask questions to and so on and so forth. We finished this thing, I got to tell you, and by the time it got to the climax and then it gets to the last scene and the screen goes dark, I was exhausted. Like I was just, oh my God, where was the... Every time you think it's going to go a certain way, it takes a turn and you're like, oh, we're going to go here now? Like that's what that meant back there. It's it's much more of a mystery. It's much more um, it's much more involved than just this one thing is happening. And okay. and you walk away from it in 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 very gray terms in in your brain. Like what would happen if? How would you do if someone that you love? How far would you go? What would happen? You know, could you do this if you know that this is what you're, you know? The time is ticking, and you know this person knows something, and it it brings all kinds of morality into it. And you find out at the end whether any of these characters were right, right or wrong in what they were doing or the way they were thinking about things. Um, it is horrific. It's exciting. It's there's a sense of dread that just sort of floats through the thing. And my point is, this got a nomination <laughs> for you know Oscar nominations. It got nominated for cinematography, which it should have by the great Roger Deakins. It should have been nominated for Best Picture, Actor, Supporting Actor, Supporting Actress, another Supporting Actor possibly uh, in that same category, uh, Best Soundtrack, you know, Cinematography. It should have had about seven or eight Oscar nominations. It got one for cinematography and everything else that I've watched that is up for awards and that everybody's creaming their jeans about nothing has been able to touch the potency of this movie. I'm telling you it is. And it's got like an, you want to talk reviews. It's got like an 85, 86% across the board on rotten tomatoes. Like it's every critic raved about it. Uh, what, you know, four out of five stars, um, and it, it made a fair amount of money and came out in September. I think it did like 160 something million in the U S maybe or something. 
Um, but I don't know anyone that's seen it. And uh, it's it was it was so good. And, I may, and I'd love to hear what people think. You want to tell me I'm crazy, you know, whatever. I've been told that before about movies that I love. But it was so good that we watched it again the next day wow. to pick up all the details that we missed and the ins and outs that were that were kind of in there. And but like I say, I have to preface it with you because I, you know, I I've mentioned it to another friend who's got kids, and he's like, I can't do those movies anymore. <laughs> I just can't, you know, whatever the outcome is, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. And so it, there, it may be very difficult to watch, um, you know, to get through. Um, but if you can and you do, it is an extraordinary piece of movie making, I have to say. I think it's actually what is coming. I just watched The Master uh, on the Netflix and sent it back, and I think it's what's coming next. So. Oh, good. Okay. I'm dying to know what you, what you think. The Master I thought was okay. It kind of, it kind of belagered a bit, didn't it? It did a bit, yeah. Like it went on for a bit? Yeah. Um, but he's fun to watch, Joaquin. Definitely. And did we talk about – I think we talked about this last episode. The other one that Jake Gyllenhaal did, I think I mentioned this already, with him and Michael Pena as a cop. And it's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. first watch or last watch or something. Something like that, yeah. That's another one that he was really good in, and Michael Pena was, was great. It's a different kind of film. It's a strange film, the way they, they shot it. Um, but he's good in it. But, man, he, he steals the movie in uh, this Prisoners, man. He's just – it's hard to explain just, just what he's doing, but he's, he's great. Um, speaking of watching things, did you watch episodes one and two of Sherlock? Have we gotten there yet? Uh, not, as soon as we hang up here, I'm going to go watch episode two. Okay. Did we talk about episode one? Well, I think we did, yes. What did we say? Uh, well, you you have seen all three episodes. I have. And you said that it is kind of an uneven season, and that's all you wanted to say about it at the time. Well, I think I, I, think I can safely say very much like, um, you know, like previous seasons, where there's always that sort of that middle one that doesn't quite, isn't quite as exciting as the... You remember, like, first two are always pretty good out the gate. Yep. Third one is kind of the big, big climax. Yeah. But the second one kind of, kind of takes its time, or is kind of a different kind of animal. Yes. Well, these, um, you'll notice in the, in the first one, there's a lot of humor. You've noticed that. Yep. Yep. Um, there's a bit more in the, in the second one. Okay. But it's, but again, it's done in a very clever way. Um, and you still get a nice mystery coming out of it, but it's, it's much lighter in tone than some of the stories that they've gone after before. Okay. So that's interesting. Um, and I'll say it again, and you'll, maybe you'll agree with me when you, uh, watch episode two as well, that, that Martin Freeman just, he steals every episode. Well, yeah, this is the episode where he's getting married. So I think he's. Yeah, he just it's it's ripe for fun. Yeah, he just steals he steals every episode, every scene he's in because it's you know, he's he's the audience and he's the one reacting to Sherlock all the time. Right. And his his reactions get better and better. He gets more impatient <laughs> with with uh with Sherlock. 
Um, speaking of and also also in watching thing news, though, I think uh, you know we'll, we'll, this will be up this week, so people have time. Uh, I, I know we're we're geeks and we're nerds, and we don't traditionally go out for you know the big football games and stuff. But uh, the big game is on this weekend. I don't think we can say its name or they'll sue us. Uh, but there's a, a big list of of trailers and and spots that we know are going to be in the film in the in the broadcast. Mm. So we got uh, some new spots for Captain America: Winter Soldier. Uh, new for Transformers: Age of Extinction. New for Amazing Spider-Man Two. New for Need for Speed: Draft Day. Something for Muppets Most Wanted. There are rumors there might be Guardian of the Galaxy. We don't know. Uh, and I'm sure there'll be some other fun stuff. But that, you, you said know. A Gar- Guardians of the Galaxy Lego, he said. Well, there's also uh, there's rumors that the Guardians of the Galaxy Lego might uh, have been seen at UK Toy Fair this week. Oh, I see. So. I see. Um, what was I going to say here? What, what is Need for Speed? Need for Speed is a DreamWorks film based on the Electronic Arts video game, uh, and it stars uh, the Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad. But what's it about? It's about driving cars real fast. Got it. That's... And racing and fast things and shooting and stealing stuff and oh. stuff like that. All right. Uh, that's interesting. Um, and Go ahead. And also watching things, and back to our... Uh, talk of vintage action figures. I just got, again, in the mail today, the DVD of the documentary Plastic Galaxy, the story of Star Wars toys. So I haven't watched it yet, but uh, I know a couple of people who have and just love it. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah. It's got Steve Sansweet in it and, uh, you know, a a bunch of people. And uh, I guess it started as a Kickstarter and, uh, yeah, it just looks terrific. Well, that's great. Yeah. yeah I'd love to see that. Maybe it'll be up online, or you can lend me your copy so I can okay. see it and know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, I got uh, a new batch of figures. I don't buy much these days, like I say, not like, not like you do. Or I don't acquire much like, like you do. But I got uh, that DC line of new action figures by Mattel um, called DC Heroes. Total Heroes? Total Heroes, yeah. The six-inch line. Six-inch line uh, of uh, Batman, Superman, The Flash, and Aquaman. Getting some Aquaman love out there. Um, I think they're great. I started just wanting to get the Batman because it's just a, a cool sculpt. And uh, he comes with you know two Batarangs that click onto his belt and then a gun that he can use. And the gun looks very much like the Batman Begins uh, you know, uh, gun that he used, grapple gun. But then I got spy- I got Superman. Like, we got to have Batman. You got Superman. And then eventually, I saw the other two fellas out all on their own at different stores, all by themselves. So I thought, well, I got to get these two guys. And I, I really, it's a stylish, it's a stylized way that they've sculpted these guys. I don't know how much of it is supposed to reflect the new comic uh, versions, and I, I truly don't care because I just think they look great. Uh, the articulation is really cool. It loads of articulation. The, you know, the, and the legs and the body, the arms are kind of chunky is the wrong word, but kind of, kind of stylized, kind of squared off, almost, almost Batman animated series style. The way they they've kind of done this, you know what I mean? Like if if, yep. if they hadn't done if 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 the 
the Batman animated style hadn't been so specific of just the shoulders, the arms, the feet, and everybody looked exactly the same throughout that entire thing. If they had done a little bit more and fleshed this out a bit more, it's almost like those characters came to life. Uh, and they're, they're really nice. And it's nice to see a toy line that, you know, isn't recycling every single piece. You know, I know Mattel does that a lot with a lot of their toys. You know, the same body, the same instruments, the same, you know, arms and everything. They go on the next one. They go on the next one. Um, they certainly do it a lot for the Batman figures and the, the movie masters figures. These guys are all original sculpts. Like, I've gone through them, and I can't really find much of anywhere where they've taken – you know, Superman's, you know, right shoulder and giving it to Batman or legs. The feet are all different. The legs are all different. The hand sculpts are all different and distinctive to the the characters. So there's a there's a toy line out there four action figures strong that uh, is kind of doing the unexpected. They're, they're doing actual original sculpts of each character. Hmm. I thought that was kind of the point of it, that they were reusing body parts. It was the budget line. They're ten bucks a piece. Uh, less articulation, less uh, paint ops than like the DCUC. And then there's also, you know, the deluxe versions that'll be 20 bucks a piece quarterly on Maddie Collector for those guys. Well, these are, I mean, I don't know about the paint ops. There's not a lot, a lot going on, but no, they're, they've got to have about 15 points of articulation at least. Um, they, they're, they're completely different. They're the, you know, Batman's neck is different from the Flash's neck is different from the Flash. The right hand on the Flash, you know, the way it's in a running position is different than anybody else's hand. And huh. the left hand on Batman is open. The right hand is a fist. Batman's got two fists. Um, Aquaman's got an open left hand where he holds a spear, but his arm is completely different because he's got fins on it. Batman's got, you know, those other fins on his bottom. No, they're they're all as far as I can tell, they're I'd say it's ninety percent or more brand new parts. Interesting. Uh, where they're not recycling from figure to figure. Uh oh. and it was nice to see that being done at a at a nice price, I thought. Yeah. You don't see that much in the toy world. Truly. Just doing something new. Um also I got a cool exclusive toy set from my, my buddy William Frost. Over in the UK, it was a Doctor Who piece that you could only get through bbcshop.com. Of course, they won't ship it over to the US, so he went to the trouble to order the damn thing, get it to me, you know, ship it to me directly, and it just showed up a few days ago. And it's it's really cool. It's a I forget there was a episode called Home or House or something from the last full season, I think, where they go to like a haunted house. Uh, where the doctor and Clara go to a haunted house. Uh, yep. So this is basically from that story, and it's three and three quarter inch doctor, three and three quarter inch Clara. She's in the middle of like uh, uh, dematerializing, so she's like lucite. And then the TARDIS is in and out of dematerializing. It's like it's like see through. It's kind of like like it's middle of uh, a transformation. You know, where the, where, the, where the TARDIS gets lighter and lighter to see. Yeah, yeah. It's like sort of translucent in the middle of, of uh, dematerializing. Huh. It was kind of a cool thing. Yeah, that, that was a cool TARDIS to have. I wanted to get that. So he sent that. And um, my last little find was I got – I ordered a belt, a leather belt. It was time for a new leather belt to hold up my trousers 
because the one I've had, I've had for a good 15 years. <laughs> Love it to death, but time for a new belt, I think. And so uh, uh, Voss Belts of London, uh, Voss is actually an acquaintance of a buddy of mine, uh, Malcolm Doherty. He's raving about these belts. You'll love them. You'll love them. They'll last your lifetime. And so I ordered myself a Voss belt, and they're specifically ordered for me. It takes like two weeks. It's my name on the, the top of the belt. And uh, it's a gorgeous leather belt by Voss Belt Makers, uh, custom fit to your, your body. So it says like Jason in like sort of Western letters on the back I'll of it? Back, all in silver Western with uh, little beads, those little beads that go around it. Oh, nice. They threw in a little uh, Indian wallet, too. Oh, that's perfect. Well, I say Native American. I think Andy was Native American wallet. I think I think it's made by the Ojibwa. And how how were they holding your pants up so far? How are they holding up my pants so far? Yeah. Oh, they're holding they're holding up pretty well. But you know, when you get a new belt, it's uh, it's tough to maneuver that thing because it's like it doesn't have all the wear and tear that your old belt does. Sure. Your old belt goes exactly where you want it to. The new belt, you got to get it in the in the thing with the points and then in the hole and then you got to get it through the loop and then the next loop then it has to get in the other loop you got to shift it around you know it's taking some takes about 20 minutes to get in and out of the bathroom basically whoa but I'm working on it I'm getting it down to 10 alright well that's good yeah so yeah that's that's my exciting haul post that is exciting yeah a couple of white whales new belt DC heroes how much better can it get so uh, they did announce, Mattel, that there was going to, you know, we know that the Four Horsemen 6-inch DC uh, subscription did not fund this year. We're only getting the five figures that were, you know, going to be the first kind of wave as four quarterly figures and a Comic-Con exclusive for uh, the Tier 1 Dark Side. But they just announced that there's going to be one more sort of surprise that's going to be their send-off to the line. We don't know what it is yet. They're supposed to reveal it at Toy Fair. Uh, and I know a lot of people are guessing about it, but we still don't know what it could be. We'll find out soon. Hmm. But, you know, it's uh, one more one more little thing in that line before those guys head off into the sunset. All right. I feel like I've heard that before, but this is really the time. This is really heading off into the sunset. This is it. This is it. Um, well, you know, before we go, since I was, you know, pretty – pretty adamant about how I felt about, about gravity. You said you enjoyed it. Uh, I know you said you saw it 3D, but what, what, what about the, I'm just curious, what, what about the story? That, what did you enjoy about this particular story? Uh, you know, I, I, there is a, there, I agree that there is an implausibility to it in that, you know, I, I hope people sort of know that she gets stuck out in space. I don't think, I don't think that's a spoiler. That's that something goes wrong, but uh, it, we did we did lose a lot of spacecraft in that uh, in that film. So that I agree was a little you know a little nutty, but uh, there seeing it on the big screen and seeing it in 3D really gave you a sense of being there. You know, there's a lot of the movie that is shot from her perspective. Mm-hmm in the helmet and just, you know, kind of the stuff floating around. So it was very easy to sort of lose yourself in that film. And that I felt was very interesting to me personally, uh, sort of watching that and, and, and having that experience doesn't make you want to go to space. Certainly. 
But I don't he, think anyone went and played, man, I can't wait to get up there. We could both get that, though, watching it you know, not in 3D. First off, we can also see early on all the little things that were done for the 3D audience, which always makes me laugh. Like, oh, get that screw. And it starts heading toward the screen, and then a hand comes out and grabs it. Like, oh, that was 3D. So they did a lot of that. But, like, you know. But what I mentioned last time was, you know, there was some of that. But when we got to towards the end, there was stuff sort of happening that actually made me flinch in the theater. Which that to me was the sign of good 3D that I I actually you know because we've all seen 3D and we've been seeing it for years in dozens of different things in varying forms of good to not yeah, so good yeah so to sort of lose yourself in that I thought that was a a testimony to the filmmaking and the directing so okay you you again you're concentrating more on the spectacle of the 3D which you know is is an added bit of you know, they're, they're piping perfume through the theater. Like that's an added bit of, you know, spectacle to see there, you know, like, like we, you know, I, I always go back to this, like we didn't need it in Jaws and we didn't need it in Star Wars to have shit, to feel like shit was flying past your face or that, you know, Indy was going to get hit by a boulder or whatever. And we, we needed it in Jaws three, three days. I get how, you know, they're trying to kind of show you that, but it's like, so, so I understand how, how much you like the 3d and that, that, so that's what's informing what you thought of the, of the film, like like the 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 you know the ponderousness of the film to get from here to here, and the the story about the kid, and I you know I got to get home to this kid, and then they're talking about their small towns to keep her going, and you know the all all of that stuff you know added up. There's there's nothing going on in this movie. It's just just it, truly nothing. It's like except for her just you know, surviving or getting from spot to spot and hoping something's going to work. And then by the time she gets to the water, you're like, oh, here we go again. And you know, I've got to fast forward this because I just know what's going to happen. Get up out of the water and then the movie's going to be over. It's like, I don't... Spoilers! I don't, I don't, know, why, I don't know what is so... I don't know. So what you're so are you so are you saying if you could take the 3D out of it, if you could see that movie again at home, would you buy that movie to like... To have a rent it again to sit through and 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 experience it again as a film. And again, what I've said all along is I felt like it was and it sort of I felt like it was a great movie theater experience. And I would not I do not think I would enjoy that film sitting in my living room watching it on my TV. So your reason for recommending it or liking it is because of the 3D effects that were in the film. No, I think it is a very good film experience, sitting in a theater, watching something on a big screen in 3D. And I think, you know, the the story is not breakthrough. And, yeah, it's there's not uh, huge twists and crazy turns and stuff. But the overall arc of it, I I found it very enjoyable, and a lot of people did. So you you would think, oh, I know a lot of people did. So you would think... Look, a lot of people thought Saving Private Ryan was the best film of the year, and L.A. Confidential wasn't. A lot of people thought Dances with Wolves was the best film of the year, and Goodfellas wasn't. Ordinary People, and then Raging Bull didn't get it. So I, I, I don't... I'm, I'm, but they're all good. All, everything you named was a good film, though. They were all good films, but they, that if you're going to... You know, this is where the whole gets into the whole what's the best thing. There's no way that, that anyone could tell me that Dances with Wolves or anything else nominated was in the same league as Goodfellas. And Martin Scorsese and, and, and working at the height of his powers, 
to do that film. Same thing with Raging Bull. And I love Redford, but for a first-time you know actor turned director to come along and do a, a little story about people's you know families you know going going a little crazy compared to this this you know Jake LaMotta in black and white you know you know bulldozing his way through life. Uh, it's it's a completely different thing, and it's and it's not. I mean the, the merits. I look at something even like. Um, uh, what do you call it? What was the Christopher Nolan in between Batman's um, Inception? Inception. Inception is one of those movies they are going to be talking about in five, ten, fifteen years. As holy shit, this is this is a guy again at the height of his powers could have done anything he wanted to do. Chose to write this original story. And this is the subject matter, and this is where we're going, and it's making you think, and it's taking you places, and doing something that no one's ever done before. It's not just that we're doing something no one's ever done before. That's not the, the critique to make a film, but doing it with fantastic music, a great cast, unbelievable cinematography, beautiful effects. And, you know, that movie didn't get Best Picture. That movie, the critics loved that thing, but it's not even in the same categories as so much other stuff that came out that year that were more highly regarded or got more more accolades. The fact that this movie, this Prisoners, I'm shocked. Just and I, I'm saying it just for the subject matter. The reason I didn't want to see it in the first place was because of that theater, that trailer. I thought that's all this movie was about. You know, oh, I got to meet out my own justice. He knows, and I'm going to keep him in here, and I'm going to beat him up, and like, oh, I can't watch two hours of that. But it's not. It, it's like. The detective story goes off somewhere else completely, and it's got so many great scenes and so much – every single performance across the board. And you see it and you think, well, this is going to – they've got to be grooming this for the Oscars because it's, it's right there. It's a heavy subject. It's uh, well, these well-known actors, um, you know, well-known cinematographer, obviously. Um, but I, I don't know what it was, and, and I think that part of it was – it's it's too I think it's too honestly I think it's too difficult for people to digest. I really do. When you watch this thing, you're going to turn it off and go. So wait a minute, what did that mean about the guy that we saw in the last thing? Was he there too? And how, but how did she get to the? You're going to start discussing it because it goes so fast, and there are so many uh, characters and so much history to these crimes and to what's going on in this neighborhood. Um, that it almost requires a second viewing just to get all the, the details down. I think it may have been too smart for the average academy voter. I, I don't know what, but to not get – and to pretty much get shut out, I was shocked when I finished this thing to find out that it got one nomination. Um, and it's, it's easily the best thing I've seen this year, hands down. It's, it's the kind of movie that I would actually buy, um, as, as uncomfortable as sections of it are. Uh, again, it reminded me a bit of, of L.A. Confidential, where uh, there's just not a, there's not a wasted moment in from the moment this thing starts and these opening shots, it all starts to get telegraphed for you, and you start to feel each of these characters. You know, you you, you get Jackman's figure char- character figured out in the first two minutes. You know just who this guy is and where this thing might go. Uh, should it go wrong? Um, but then it keeps surprising you too. There are some other things in it that are just what the fuck moments. Uh, it was really it stayed with me for like two days, honestly. <laughs> it's not in a bad way. There are some movies that stay with you that are so disturbing that I can't shake them. It wasn't disturbing that way. It just was 
very finely crafted, really, really well put together. So, uh, so yeah, I can't wait to see what you, what you think of it. All right then. All right then. That's uh, that's a good forty. Is that forty-five? What am I looking at here? Well, it's a little over forty-five minutes. It is. But we didn't get to talk about the Doctor Who, so I guess we'll have to do that next next. We didn't time. get to talk about Doctor Who. I just think we can both say thumbs up to the new Peter Capaldi Doctor Who outfit. Yes, which was revealed today, the day we're recording. That's right. Uh, they they put up the first first picture of it, so. I think it looks pretty pretty cool. And uh, but we went from we went from bow ties to no ties to no ties. And I like just his stance. I just like he that photo just screams to me this guy is going to come out with all guns blazing. He knows what he's going to do as this character already. He knows what it's going to be. Because someone I, someone said they he looked like he had bad magician hands. Well, that's just mean. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's just that's just the haters going to hate. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait for those kinds of people and those little comments and those haters. I can't wait to see how they come out of the woodwork when the first shots of Harris, our beloved Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, and Princess Leia come out for the new film. Just you wait and see how nasty people are going to be about that stuff. And what I think Jason Geyer was the one that said Adam Ant called and he wants his dinner jacket back. <laughs> how do you know Adam Ant didn't take the dinner jacket from him? Well, good point. He's a time traveler. That's right. Could have happened. Could have happened. Prince Charming. So there you go. There's another episode. God knows when it's going to go up, but uh, whatever goes up must come down. And that means. By the time you guys are hearing this, it's already up. It's already up, and you're listening to it. And you're listening to it. That's right. So I hope you all enjoy it. Hope you're happy with yourselves. Indeed. Everyone have a good week. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Shiny. Let's be bad guys. I know Kung Fu. Show me. Behold the secrets of nature's deepest mystery.